I appreciate everybody that's already locked in in the chat. Hope everybody's having a blessed morning. I hope everybody's feeling good. But you already know what it is, man. It's San Francisco 49ers morning show. Let's go. Talk TV podcast. Welcome to the San Francisco 49ers Morning Show. I'm your host, former NFL and NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. You know what it is, man. It's Friday. It's the preview show. We're getting ready for the San Francisco 49ers against the Seattle Seahawks. Already, if you are if you aren't already, make sure you guys go listen to the Locked On 49ers episode. Myself. Brian Peacock, we previewed some of the game, but you already know this is a little different, right? This is more of a radio show. You know, obviously, I'm going to have my boy on, you know what I'm saying? And you go, you guys go see who it is. You know, he joins me from time to time. All right, but you know, this is more of a morning. This is more of a radio show. You know, I like that there are a lot of people that listen to this on their way to work. I think that's awesome. Uh, you know, all that stuff is cool. Good morning, all the faithful in here already. I see the flames coming in. I've kind of gotten away from it because, I don't know, my mind, I just start thinking about some whole other stuff, but you know, five flames, if you're feeling good, less than five flames, we got to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Less than five flames. We got to talk about it. Top of the morning, all my dogs in here. You know what I'm saying? All my, all my Stockton folks, all my 209 folks, man, shout out to all y'all. Shout out to everybody all around the world, but you know, I'm really real, real, real 209. Y'all see my little 209 homie, Raleigh Brown. He committed to, committed to USC. He committed to USC. I talked about it. You know, I coached, I coached Raleigh right here at Edison High School, Southside Stockton. And uh, that was before, that was before Raleigh uh, left to modern day. So it was his sophomore year. He already had all the offers in the world. I mean, he had all the offers from, I mean, any big school you could think of, Alabama, USC, Florida State, everybody. He already had all those offers by his sophomore year. So it was pretty cool coaching him, just that type of, Caliber athlete, and you can just tell, like, damn, the game is just real easy for this dude. He might be, he might be one of the bigger recruits we've ever had in Stockton. Now, at that same school, and one of his coaches, we had Lavelle Hawkins. Lavelle Hawkins, he was a five-star athlete. He was the, the number nine receiver in the nation. I actually had to guard Lavelle Hawkins in high school, but Lavelle, he was a big recruit. He actually went to LSU when when they won a national title. So the LSU, this is in the, what, 2003 or whatever, 2004, LSU won a national title. Lavelle went to LSU with Nick Saban. But after the first game, he didn't play, packed his stuff up, left, went to California, went to JUCO, San Francisco City College for a semester or a year. Somehow graduated with his AA and everything he needed in like a semester. I don't know how he did it. He went to two different schools at one time, went to practice, went to school, then took a bus, went to another school and got all his credits, was able to leave, went to Cal Berkeley, went there for three years. He's graduated from there, played seven years in the NFL. So shout out to my dog, Lavelle Hawkins, uh, one of the one of the best men I've ever met, one of the best guys I've ever been around. Uh, he's he's like family to me, like a big brother to me. So shout out to Lavelle. But Lavelle was a big-time recruit. I think Raleigh might be a little bit bigger of a recruit because he's like number one running back in the nation or whatever he is. All right, but uh, – Shout out to the whole 209, man. Whole lot of talent there in Stockton, California. Uh, Someone, I don't want to say it slept on. I think it's starting to get a little bit more love, but we got some dogs. We got some dogs. And you know they built different. You know what I'm saying? They built different. 
Anyways, if you haven't already, download the Underdog Fantasy app. We're going to get into that towards the end of the show. All right, I do have my guy coming on. We're going to talk fantasy football, all that stuff. So fantasy football, start, sit. You guys have your fantasy rosters ready to go so we can go over that. Any questions you have about your fantasy roster, we're going to get into that. Underdog Fantasy, what bets and stuff like that. Y'all know it. Before every game, I do one with y'all. Whatever we choose, that's what I'm going with. Underdog Fantasy, promo code Crocky, make you some money. And we'll get it more, more into that later. Obviously, uh, we got Manscaped. Manscaped right now, everything on Manscaped, 20% off when you use the promo code Crocky. All right, promo code Crocky, manscaped.com. And you, you already know, you know, you guys got to get right. Get right for the weekend. You might go see a little lady friend, whatever the case is. You don't want to walk in, you know what I'm saying? Pull the trousers down and you're looking all crazy. She's going to be like, oh, what's that? Oh, my gosh. You know, you wanted to be like, you know. You know, like, oh, yeah, what's that? Okay, you know, then the porn star come out, you know, the confidence pick up. So, anyways, promo code Crocky, man. Manscaped, manscaped.com. Go do that right now. We got Philly in the building. We got Mel, Mel, Melbourne, Florida in the building. The 805 in the building. The 626. And we also have Aponte in the building. What's good, Aponte, bro? How you doing, bro? Great man. Uh, actually, pretty fun game last night. I mean, uh, aside from the the you know being forced to watch Taysom Hill play quarterback for four quarters, but uh, it was it was actually all right, man. It was it was a pretty fun game. We don't have it as bad as we think we do here. Oh, in, uh... oh no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of as bad, and I'm not. I guess I can be a little messy here and there. But 49ers Twitter was kind of going up a little bit. I don't know if you guys follow, uh, if you guys are on Twitter, at Eric underscore Crocker, you guys can follow me on there. And um, But a lot of stuff going on Twitter, man. Uh, Last night, huh? Yeah. You know what? I'm not even going to get into that. But that man it, was fun. It, was, it was fun to watch. It was, it was. fun to watch. That was, uh, I get a kick out of that. I get a kick out of Twitter in general. Twitter is definitely the best app. And it's crazy. Um there was a time where I stopped using Twitter for like a couple of years. I wasn't really on there every blue moon. I tweet maybe during a 49er game, I might tweet something, but now I pretty much live on Twitter. It's like I live in Arkansas, but on Twitter, uh, I'm on Twitter so much. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I just have so much fun. I laugh. Like it really like yeah. lightens my day, but there was a time where it was dark, especially around like the election and stuff like that. I'm like, gosh, like what is going on with Twitter, man? It's a dark place. This is supposed to be like the fun app, the funny app. I was like, I got it. I got to right. step away a little bit, man. What's and going even, on here? But. And that was even like, you know, considering like who we all follow is basically all either football centric and like 49ers Twitter centric. And even like that part, it got to a point where those people were, were you know, like, like you said, around the election, right? Everything was so political. Everything was just like, oh man, like I'm here to have fun. Like I'm here to blow off steam. I'm not here for all that. Like I, I think about that stuff on, on my, on my regular time, not, you know, when I'm trying to have fun on Twitter. Right, right, right. So there was a lot of that. See my guy, Brad Brown. He says he deleted his social media, all social media three years ago. Brad, I got to bring you on because I got to ask, what is that like? Now, here's the thing. This is why I can't do it. Pretty much everything I do, running my business and everything like that through my streaming stuff or it's all through social media. <laughs> so it's like, I can't delete my social media platforms, but I definitely can see how, you know, taking a step away for a little bit can be really beneficial to one's mental health because there's a lot that goes on on social media. And and, and I do want to make sure that, you know, y'all are good with the mental health. Jason, how, how are you doing mentally? You good? Uh, as, as good as I can be right now. You know, um, a lot of the oh, stuff wait, that wait, I Wait, 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 wait. What the hell does it mean as good as you can be? What does that mean? As, 
as good as you can be. You're never, you're never, all right, so you're never at the best portion of it, right? You're always working and striving to be at your, your best mental health state, at your, at your best point in terms of your, your life, right? It's always, there's always growth, right? There's always things that you can do better, right? So obviously there's challenges and everything like that. And I share a little bit of what, like what goes on in my life a little bit on Twitter as it pertains to my daughter. And what I mean by that is, you know, my daughter, as a lot of you know, um, I was diagnosed with autism. She got accepted to an ABA program that is helping her get acclimated to regular life. And she's doing great. So that makes it, you know, like, obviously, there's room for growth. And there's there's a lot of work to do. But right now, we're in a good spot. And we're moving in the right direction. That's what I mean, like, as good as I can yeah. be right okay. now. I'm not like, like there's it. more, there's more, there's more to grow to. There's more to there's more to do in, in our lives and everything. So that's, that's what I mean. Like, nothing's going wrong. Nothing's going wrong right now. It's not that it's wrong. It's just, it always can be better. Everything can always be better. And you always keep working for that. I'll tell you what was better last night. Uh, you know, coming up that hundred dollars on the mm. Cowboys first half. Bro, that was scary though. You almost got hey, listen, y'all. You almost got blocked no, on I, all social media. And <laughs> <laughs> I post my bets. I hope I don't know if this is illegal or I don't know. I post my bets through Jason. So anytime I want to like place a bet on the game, Arkansas, we don't have like I can't use the those apps to like sports booking apps. All right, so I'll send the money to Aponte, and then he'll, uh, you know, put in the bet for me. But I took the Cowboys. Uh, my I took the Cowboys minus three and a half first half, and I didn't get over that three and a half until they kicked the field goal as time expired. So yeah. they made it a little scary. Then I was like, should I go with the second half? We talked about it. You're like, you don't think they're gonna score two touchdowns? I'm like, dude, I don't know. They only scored two touchdowns because they had that crazy ass pick six towards mm -hmm. the end of the fourth quarter. So I'm glad I stayed away from it because I would have had a heart attack. You'd have been uh, sweating that, that whole time. <laughs> oh man, well I I just knew it would have been over. I'm watching it most of the time. I was watching it. I'm like, man, I'm so glad I didn't uh, put that money down. And then they cover, and I'm like, damn, should have put that money Dog. down. <laughs> Dog. And then I I lost my bet because Taysom Hill didn't rush the ball in for a touchdown, bro. I had everything else hit. He had over the forty. Uh, Pollard had over the forty. Pollard scored the touchdown. All he had to do was punch in that touchdown. My my thirty dollars would have turned into five sixty. Killed me, man. Oh, I hate man. it. Yeah, that's, that's terrible. You know who did come up? Uh, I saw uh, our guy Evan Sowers, where mm -hmm. he he had did underdog fantasy. Shout out underdog fantasy, underdogfantasy.com, promo code Crocky. But he posted his underdog fantasy slip, and he 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 came up. It was like hundred and fifty dollars, whatever it was, off of four plays. And the only reason why he got it was because uh, Schultz had. 40 his over under was set at 43 and a half he had 43 yards wow and that carried on throughout the whole fourth quarter he was a half yard short like for most of the fourth quarter so evan was watching like oh my gosh uh, and he never had another yard so wow. evans, evans came up that's it i love seeing things like that that's why i take those long shot bets like that like it's small like aim small miss small you know like that like it's not really it's not really a big deal if i lose 30 bucks but like Putting up like three hundred and then losing that—that's the stuff that I can't bear. Like when it comes to that. I know that was me last weekend. With I know. <laughs> I was with you too, man. At parlay, I was sitting. There, I was like, man, I don't even watch college football. I was locked in all day, and then like it, like three of them hit, and I was like, uh oh, uh oh. And then it was that one, the Texas A&M game, right? That was the one that was like, yeah. Come on, man, it blew it. How do you like this new nickname, Jason Cone? Um, no, it's Grant Aponte. Oh, Grant Aponte. Okay, yeah, there we Grant go. Grant Aponte, mm -hmm. Julian. You got to get yeah. it right. You gotta get it gotta right. Gotta get man. it right. Here we go. Croc and Jason, you guys make my day. And I had I had to once delete all my social media due to mental health. Now I have meds and I have only Facebook for family only. That's solid, yeah. man. Uh 
you know, again, anybody, we've had somebody, Peacock and I were on live, Locked On 49ers, make sure you guys listen to the podcast. We were on live and we had somebody come in and him talk about how, you know, listening to Locked On 49ers, he was going through depression and everything. And he felt sometimes like he was alone. And I've talked about it on here a lot. I'm a, I'm an open book. I talk about all my situations in life, everything I have going on, not to like, you know, just be like, tell everybody my business, but just if, you know, I feel like everything that I'm going through, I know there are other people that are going through certain similar things. And I went through a situation with my wife where she suffered from, you know, like depression. She had fell into a dark place and really dark. And I know the best thing for my wife was having me like to talk to. I mean, and the tough thing is a lot of people that go through that. So if you are going through that, make sure you talk to someone. Cause I know with my wife, she was scared to talk to me about it. She didn't want me to think she was crazy. She didn't, she was scared that I would leave her. And so a lot of people keep those thoughts bottled up and they never get it out there. You know what I'm saying? And then it, it really just compounds. It makes it worse. And then they deal with the situation. There was a, 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 com <clears throat> a comedian. I think he did some rapping, but a comedian, little Huey out there. Ha ha Huey in Stockton, California. He was pretty, he was really big on social media, really big on Instagram where he just killed himself from everything I'm understanding. And a lot of times people are dealing with something and, and they just don't, they don't talk about it. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. So I've, I put it out there, man. If you guys are ever feeling any type of way uh, or feel like you're alone or don't have anyone to talk to, holler at me, man. My DMs are wide open. I'll shoot you my phone number. I don't know if I, I can help, but I'm going to be there to be an ear if that's something that you need, uh, you know, to, to help get through your tough time. So, I hear that. I yeah, hear that. Man. I actually, I actually like that a lot too. I mean, I, I didn't have social media for a long time. Like the only reason that I came to Twitter, I, I, I showed up. I think, I, I think I started my Twitter the, the day of the Rams Patriots Super Bowl, um, and I, I didn't have anything for a while. And um, a lot of that was because of certain things that was going on on social media that I, I really didn't like. And I, and I was just like, all right, let me just step back in a way. And I had to focus on my family, and I, and I did that. And then when I started to, you know, pursue content and all that stuff that's when i that's when i made a twitter but you know my twitter is, is obviously just sports and stuff like that but yeah i mean it's important to talk to people that's why like i throw out those little nuggets about what's going on with me and my daughter because you know I, you know that saying if one person if it reaches one person then it's worth it right so if i talk about like my journey with my daughter and like getting her tested and finding out that you know that she's being she's you know on the spectrum and everything if that gets one person to get their child tested because they're worried and and either it comes back that they're they're not on the spectrum they're just you know they just learn differently or they are then it's completely worth it right and 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 i think that a lot of the time with mental health and other things we have to destigmatize that type of stuff, right? Especially amongst men, right? Men always feel like, what, 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 what's the word for for men all the time? Whenever you're feeling like it, ah, oh, man, man up, right? Like that's always what yeah. it is, right? So I think that a lot of a lot of what goes a long way is to destigmatize, uh, to destigmatize these things and talk about them because guys go through it too, and they 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 just sit there and they think that they just got to man up and walk through it. No, real talk, man, real talk. And sp uh, speaking of working through, my my dog Nate Glizzy says morning show before he starts his finals. Good luck. Good luck with that, my dog, man. You got to come back out here to Arkansas kick it with me, man. He came out to Arkansas, kicked it with me. A lot has changed since then. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a little bit more fun next time you come out here. Uh, delete all my social medias a year ago. People crazy. All right, man. You got to start to learn how to filter out things, man. But without social media, we wouldn't be able to give you this content that we're giving you guys this morning talking about the San Francisco 49ers against the Seattle Seahawks. Aponte, are you... Mm -hmm. I, I'm not, it's weird because this is a game. I mean, what are the Seahawks? Three and eight? 
This is a game that we should feel so conf- confident with. Like the 49ers on a three-game winning streak. You know, the Seahawks, they're not playing good football. But I'm worried. And not because I don't think the 49ers could just destroy them, but just because it's the Seahawks. And for whatever reason, it, they just they have like this hold over me. I think they have this hold over the 49ers fan base. You know, it's just like this. You you never feel comfortable. On a scale of one to ten, how worried are you? One one being, you know, I'm not worried about the Seahawks at all. Ten being, man, I'm I, I am really nervous about this game. I'm an eight right now, and I'm sure that tomorrow I'll be a nine, and when it's kickoff, I'll be ten. Just again, you talked about it, the hold, right? It's the it's the boogeyman in the closet. The Seahawks are, you know, the end the end of Halloween. You know, you they, they you think Michael Myers is dead and he burst through the door at the end and, and like he's still not dead, right? Like that's the Seahawks, man. You have to understand that 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 fan base, that organization, that group that have that has been together for this this long time, they know exactly what's at stake this week. This is exactly going to be their Super Bowl, right? They are going to come with everything that they have because they feel that they're on the preface of an end of an era type thing, and that's what right. the 49ers need to be worried about. And you know how it goes in Seattle. We have PTSD, and I don't want to go through all of the the horrible the horrible things that have happened up there because things somehow snowball in Seattle. Like once they get a little bit of momentum, all of a sudden it, it either it's either a comeback or it just snowballs into like a large defeat. Like it's it, it felt like for a long time with Seattle and the 49ers that those games only went one of two ways. One, Seattle just completely blasted the 49ers, right? Like like <laughs> even when the 49ers were were right. during the hardball years, they would just get blasted. Or Destroy. they would have their, or yeah, or they would have their heart ripped out at the last moment by Seattle. It was never any in between. It was either you get destroyed or you lose at the last minute. And a lot of that is why 49er fans are, you know, telling each other, "Hey, don't take this game lightly." Now, and, and 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 they shouldn't because I believe that the Seahawks understand the same thing that we understand. The 49ers have a real chance to end this era, and they're not going to go quietly. I fully expect them to play their best game of the season. I fully expect them to empty the tank. I fully expect that crowd to be loud as hell because they the one thing that they don't want to do is have this end at the hands of the 49ers, man. They know what's up. Right. Now, let's say, and we're getting ahead a little bit. I do want to talk about key matchups and everything with you. But let's say the 49ers do destroy them. All right. Hypothetically speaking, 49ers destroy Seahawks. Again, we're going to get into the, you know, the details of this game, but 49ers destroy them. Do you think that this could legitimately be an end of an era? In Seattle, because this is a team. I mean, they go to the playoffs every year. They don't miss the playoffs. 49ers, we've had, I mean, we talk about Kyle Shanahan. He's had one winning season in four years, and still everybody said, oh, no, you know, let's let's wait and see. The Seahawks, this will be their first losing season in I don't know how many years with Pete Carroll. And it's like they're hitting a panic button. Do you think that this could really dismantle the Seattle Seahawks? I think so. I mean, it just seems like Russell Wilson has wanted to be out. Um, I don't know if that is what's going on with his play, you know, anything like that. And it's starting to get that vibe of you need a new voice in the room when it comes to Pete Carroll as well, too. Like, I have never seen Pete Carroll so destroyed, like, after a press conference. He walked right out. Like, you know him. Like, he's he's super optimist, right? Like, this is some this is uncharted territory for them. So it's getting to a point where it's starting to feel like, okay, Maybe uh, maybe it's time to get a new voice in the room. And Russell Wilson already wants out. So I, I do think that legitimately this this probably is going to be the end of an era, right? And when you talk about, you know, Kyle Shanahan one year, you know, and all of those things, 
man, three and nine is hard to come back from. So you're definitely not going to make the playoffs if you lose this game. Like, it's not going to happen right now. It looks like 10 wins will probably get you in at this point. Like, it looks like there's legitimately going to be a 10 and eight team that's going to get in, a uh, 10 and seven team that's going to get into the playoffs this year. But three and nine, you're not coming back from that. And I think that the frustration of what's going on with Seattle is how they're flaming out. Like, they lost in the first round last year. That was yeah. a flame out. And remember, it. Jared Goff came into that game and, and was the backup. He had a broken thumb. I mean, it's the way they had that, that little played. guy, number nine or something, running around. Yeah, whoever um, he Wal was, Walford, I think his name. Oh, somebody or something like that. Yeah, I, I yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and and I think that's really what it is, right? And for all the people that say, well, you want an elite quarterback, you want an elite quarterback. They've only won one Super Bowl with Russell Wilson, and I mean, you make the playoffs every year. That's what you want. But I think that that's what's kind of lost on the whole. Well, you need an elite guy. Even the elite guys only win once. I think that should go to show you how hard it is in this league. Now, obviously, we're living in the age of Tom Brady. That's something different. This is something that you're never going to see ever again. He's the but Michael Jordan of the, the NFL, right? Where, 100%. you know, it's there's a lot of people that did not win Super Bowls because he's in the league. Mm -hmm. That yeah, happened with Michael Jordan. There's a lot of people. People talk about Charles Barkley. Man, Charles Barkley never had a ring. Well, it's like he had to face Michael Jordan. And then Michael Jordan stopped a lot of people over an eight-year span from, you know, winning NBA Finals. And that's what Tom Brady's been to the, in the NFL. There's this stat about, you know, kind of people, well, when's the last time a mobile quarterback won a Super Bowl? Or yeah, it's only happened so many times. Like, dude, Tom Brady's been in Super Bowl damn near every year since 2003. Right. Like, of course, like they're not winning the mobile quarterback, not winning Super Bowls. Look who they're playing against. Right. Look exactly. at Donovan McNabb. Donovan McNabb was somebody who can move a little bit, right? Like he's going to, he lost to Tom Brady. You know, Russell Wilson lost to Tom Brady. Like, you know, he stopped a lot of guys from winning that ball. Right. And I think that's the point when you talk about a lot of people who are like, man, you need a lead quarterback. You need a lead quarterback. Well, Rodgers has won. Wilson, Wilson has won, right? Like it's, it's, it just it, sometimes it doesn't pan out that way. So, yeah, it definitely feels like this is the end of an era for the Seahawks right now. Like, this is a time for them to figure out a new plan at quarterback. They've got to go in a different direction because it doesn't seem like Russ wants to be there. And it seems like they need a new voice in the room. They even might need a new general manager because the way that they've been building this roster has caught up to it to itself right now. And and not investing in O-line and drafting running backs and 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 not doing so good. I mean, that that, you know, I know that Jamal Adams, you know, a lot of people make jokes, but that trade looks really, really bad right now. Very bad, especially yeah. considering what you gave up. Like you gave up all like right now, the the middle six picks, I believe, of the top 10 are all going to be teams from New Jersey. Two Giants picks, two Jets picks and two Eagles picks right now. That's insane, man. And and that's <laughs> another thing. It's like, man, if you're going to give up all those picks, no matter what happens with this trade Lance thing, the 49ers did it in the interest of getting a franchise quarterback, not a safety. Right. And I mean, as soon as you look at the safeties, I don't even think Jamal Adams is the best safety on this team. No, I think Diggs. Diggs. Yeah. Yeah. Diggs is the one making plays, especially in the backfield. Let's talk about matchups in this game. All right. You're heading into this game, got the 49ers against the Seahawks, and you're looking at the 49ers offense, one that's without a Debo Samuel, right? Does not having Debo Samuel worry you? And if so, who is that one guy that you think needs to take his game to the next level? It does worry me because of this. We all love what Elijah Mitchell is doing, even though I've been branded the Elijah Mitchell hater. Um, but um, Elijah Mitchell, right, it has been out of necessity that he's like, had to uh, do with Joe he's, Williams. Joe, Joe Williams, I'm done with you, man. You better stop pulling up in my lives and telling lies. Um, um, but um, here's the thing. Elijah Mitchell is doing what he's doing with that workload, and it's amazing, right? But who's the second running back behind him? Debo Samuel. 
Now, I think that a lot of that is out of necessity because Jeff Wilson isn't exactly playing the way that he, you know, that that people expected him to, whether that's the injury or whether that's just, you know, how he is. That's uh, just how he is. Okay. I mean, look, I mean, all right. That's fair. Because, but there's been other times where he's been pushed into duty and he's been a bell cow and he's 25, 120. He gives you, listen, Jeff Wilson gives you a game, a game or two where he does go crazy. But if you kind of look at his game logs over the years, a majority of his games are, aren't like these explosive outcomes. Right. He'll have those games that really put him over the top and really pushes his yard per carry up. But for the most part, there's a lot of, below average from Jeff Wilson. I like Wilson. I think he runs hard. I think he's a decent spellback, but I think there is an argument that even Debo Samuel is a better uh, running back than Jeff Wilson. And that's fair because when you look at the numbers, he's the one who has nine carries for 75 yards and Jeff Wilson has what, 10 for like 21. I I just don't think he's like a two yard per carry guy. Like I don't think that, but Hey, that's neither here nor there. That's what worries me. Right. Is, is if Elijah Mitchell has to, take that beating and beating and then there's nobody behind him right like it would be nice if Jeff Wilson could just give a little boost like maybe seven carries for like 42 yards that would be great that's six I know that's six a carry right like that's that's not you know something that is is usually what happens but that little boost could help because it'll take the strain off Elijah Mitchell so that's what the Debo Samuel thing worries me more than anything because if you notice the Jacksonville game this game this this past game Debo Samuel was the running back behind uh, behind Elijah Mitchell. Now that's gone. And, and it, it wasn't even like they could use him at wide receiver as much as they could. So that's the little part that worries me right there. Elijah Mitchell is going to get all the work that he can until he throws up at this point. But it would be nice to have someone behind him at least to, to pick up the slack just a little, right? Trey Sermon is obviously injured, but he was, you know, he obviously was something was going on with him. Jermichael Hasey is going to return. I'm not certain that he's that guy either. So that's the part that worries me a little bit is if the running game isn't as potent now where does it go who does it fall on jimmy garoppolo's got to do more in this game to win this game he has to this week he has to i think so it's got to be him i believe that that is the person that lifts them obviously you're going to look at how you can kittle but this has to be a little bit more of a jimmy garoppolo game this week he has to be able to lift a little bit more now like carry a little bit more now like don't you know you can't be it can't be one of those games where it's like hey me run the ball run the ball run the ball easy throws like he's got to make some big boy throws in this game so I'm gonna push back a little bit because okay. I feel like we we all we do that right. We do that with Jimmy Garoppolo where we kind of put him in this like okay he's Jimmy's only this right. He's only this this game manager. He can't and everything has to go. You know Jimmy, you can't throw in- interceptions. You can't miss passes. Like we got to put more on your shoulders. And then he goes out and has a game like he did last week where. Everything we were saying those things before the game against the Seahawks, and he missed early on, and he threw the interception, and you saw him get you know a scolding by Kyle Shanahan. I thought Kyle was saying affirmations. He was like, "Yo, I love you, Jimmy. You're great, man." (laughs) (laughs) I know. And throughout all that, still Jimmy Garoppolo made the necessary plays Mm -hmm. to to be able to win the game. Now. And, you know, with that, you do need a little bit of help from the defense. That was a good job by Al Shire getting the interception, setting up a short yardage situation. I believe Fortnite scored like the next play. So, obviously, like, you know, I, I, what I'm saying is I think – I don't think that it's going to be all on Jimmy to have to play above and beyond. Now, earlier this week, I was saying, like, okay, Jimmy, like, you know, you, you're the one that step up without Debo being in there. But I think I've seen enough where – 
Jimmy's still in games where he doesn't go above and beyond, right? Like, you know, we're not expecting him to turn into Matthew Stafford or what? That oh, you don't need to be that. Stafford's playing like ass right now. Oh. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, you know, go above and beyond what we're comfortable with him doing. I think, I think he can do what he's done over the last few weeks and the 49ers still win. Yes, you're probably relying a little heavy on the run game. We'll see what the Seahawks do. But the Seahawks, I mean, even in the last game, you watch that game. Uh, it was uh, Trey Sermon. He had a big game, almost 100 yards rushing or mm-hmm. close to 90 yards rushing in that game at a, a decent clip. Obviously, you had Trey Lance in that game. He was able to move the sticks with his legs. But I, I think sometimes we look at Jimmy Garoppolo and we and we kind of, okay, this is a big game. We have to win this way or we're not going to be able to come through. And I think he's shown time and time again, like, no, nah, I can play my game and I can miss some throws and I can potentially throw a pick, but also I can do these things well enough to where it still contributes in the win, which brings me to one of my next points, Jimmy Garoppolo. I just saw a stat. They talked, they showed the five quarterbacks with the best winning percentages since 2017, which essentially is when Jimmy Garoppolo started starting for the 49ers. And he was fourth in that list, actually ahead of Aaron Rodgers, And he had really good company with him there. So Jimmy, well, uh, I, I think there's multiple ways he can he can I I don't think it has to be perfect. I just think the way that you typically have to win with him isn't ideal. I think that's what it is. But I think I don't think Jimmy has to go above and beyond to come out with a W well, against the Seattle Seahawks. I guess what I'm trying to say is that sort of game that he played last week is fine when Kirk Cousins is the other quarterback. But if you let Russell Wilson hang around, like you like this is what I mean, like. I don't need Jimmy Garoppolo to be anything that he's not. I just need him to be a little bit more. Just a bit more. Like, a little bit more, right? Um, but Curses like, is playing better than Russell Wilson right now. Hey, but it don't, all right. So, but, Crack, we just talked about it. Throw out everything that's happened with Seattle, bro. Like, this is definitely going to be a Russell Wilson all of a sudden finds it, and all of a sudden he's playing well again. Like, this, this is what I mean, bro. Like, this is the boogeyman. This isn't Kirk Cousins on the other side, man. Like, Kirk Cousins has been playing better than Russell Wilson. But you know for a fact that if you allow, like, like we talked about it after the Washington game, right? I literally was scrolling down my Twitter, right? Right when they got the ball with two minutes, they were like, "Ah, here we go!" And what happened? I, I know I tweeted that. I said yeah, just exactly. enough time for him to work his magic. Just enough time, and then look, boom, 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 three plays. They were three and out every single drive before that. Boom, 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 three <laughs> plays, touchdown, and that, and that's the point, bro. Like that's what I mean, right? Like you have to, you have to leave no doubt. And you can't let him linger. You can't let Michael Myers. But I don't know if it's him. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything. Again, we could go back to the game. 2000. I know, guys, it's not 2019, but Mm -hmm. 2019, 49ers played in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo was as sharp and efficient as I've ever seen Mm -hmm. him. He completed 18 out of 22 passes. And there was like one drive that stalled. And for Mm -hmm. whatever reason, the 49ers defense wasn't able to get off the field. And it ended up coming down to a play on on the goal line that won the game. In the game where Jimmy Garoppolo was really good, he was really sharp. He was really efficient. He was moving. That's one of his better games. He threw the ball downfield to Yusef, and even then it wasn't. So I don't even know if it's really about Jimmy Garoppolo. I think it's just about what Russell Wilson is going to show up, and I don't know if there's anything Jimmy can do about that. Right, and I and I hear you on that. But if Debo was here, then it wouldn't have to be a little bit more from Jimmy, right? Because you know Debo obviously alleviates all that with those tunnel screens, and he's so good with the ball in his hand, right? Like I just think that you got to lighten that box a little bit, make some make some throws to to Kittle, get him involved, get Ayuk involved, obviously. So that's what I mean. Like like I'm not asking for Jimmy Garoppolo to be something he's not. I just need a little bit more, right? Like you can't 
You can't start slow in this game. You can't allow that crowd to get loud because you don't know how he's going to he's going to uh, bounce back from that, right? Like that that's my thing, right? So maybe I'm being overly worried or whatever, but it's more me just being paranoid about the fact that Seattle's <laughs> on the other side, bro, and yeah. I just don't know what's about to happen, man. And I, I and not just it could, Seattle, it's Russell Wilson. It's Russell Wilson, like, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. He's the boogeyman. He's the boogeyman. So um, real quick, uh, you guys, make sure you guys stick around. We are going to get into fantasy. So get your fantasy stuff ready. Whatever notes y'all need to get uh, on your, you know, fantasy team, start them, sit them. We're going to get into all that in a little bit. We're going to kind of preview the defensive side of the ball now for the 49ers and how they kind of match up with the offense. We've we've talked about what's going on with the 49ers offense and what it's going to take to win. We know Debo's not playing. George Kittle probably has to take a step up. I use, let's keep it going, right? On the other side of the ball, a lot of people, I've been the big advocate of the 49ers defense. Again, I'm not saying that they're playing lights out, but I think the secondary has been playing well. I think if the 49ers are going to really be able to control this game, right? You talked about 49ers having to really get out and put their throats on or their foot on the Seahawks' throats. It's probably going to be the front that has to kind of dominate. And that's what the part that's been lacking the most with the 49ers. So do you think there's a scenario or what can the 49ers do to – continue to kind of put a little bit more pressure on Russell Wilson. When I was watching the Washington football game, that's what the difference was. They were, they were, I mean, making him move. He's doing this little ducking thing, trying to, they were collapsing the pocket. They were getting out there in the backfield. They were making life miserable on them, making them have to try to run outside the pocket, make plays or move. They were chasing them down from behind, tackling them, slamming them on the shoulder. Like they were kind of beating Russell Wilson up a little bit. Do you think the 49ers front can do that? Uh, not with just the four, unfortunately, right now, because obviously Nick Bosa is incredible, right? But he's being double teamed at a rate of like 28%. I believe it's second in the league. That's that's insane. And you would think, okay, he's being double teamed. Other guys are winning. It's not necessarily happening like that. Kevin Gibbons had a very nice play in that game as well, too. Arden Key has been solid here and there. But I think a lot of what's going to have to happen in this game is D'Amico's going to have to send some extra pressure. And I think I expect that because Hufanga is going to be playing a lot closer to the line of scrimmage in this game. And I expect him to be on the field a ton, especially considering Greenlaw is out. We don't know what's going on with Marcel Harris right now at this point, especially uh, we, we, I guess we'll find out today where he's at with the concussion protocol. So they're going to have to send a little bit more pressure. And I think that's where you see Hufanga a little bit more. Maybe if KK is on the field, that's what you're going to see. So they've got to bring some added pressure. Now that obviously forces on the back end you know, and, and you can talk to, to this a little bit more better better than I can. The secondary is going to have to be very solid and they're going to have to be playing their best game because they're going to be left out there with, you know, less people in coverage if you're sending people, obviously. So um, I think that the, the, the way to get to him is obviously, look, that line's not good right now. Like even Dwayne Brown, Dwayne Brown is like not even like, He's he's their best lineman probably, and he's been getting whipped. And uh, that offensive line is in shambles right now at this point. So the only way to really stop Russell Wilson is to keep putting pressure on him. And if you can't get that with the front four, it's going to be a long day because that's when he starts to work. Maybe he'll get out of the pocket. That's when those those backbreaking third downs happen. Keep him in the pocket, put pressure on him, and make him try to look over guys. And and then you know the secondary is going to have to be solid on the back end. I think. Real quick, I missed this uh, super chat from my guy Chris. He says. Uh, Jeff Wilson will be fine. He's good. Remember, he was hurt. Jeff Wilson's always kind of hurt, right? Like, I mean, we, I, I don't want to be hard on Jeff Wilson. I like Jeff Wilson. I like how hard he runs. I like that dark place he goes to before games. You've seen the videos of him, like, walking off the field. He looks angry. He looks mad. Uh, I think he runs with that type of physical uh, abandonment of his body, like, does not care. He inflicts punishment on opposing tacklers. But 
when you just start start to really look into it a little bit, he's 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 decent. I I don't I don't think he's what 49er fans think he is, but he's solid. I mean, again, we're not counting on him to be the guy either. So there's that. I think if you do, you know, ideally he's good in the spell role. We've seen games where he has had to be the guy and he's had big games. And I'm like, damn, where's that Jeff Wilson consistently? Because it's not, it's just not there consistently, but maybe they don't ask him to be this big yardage, big gang guy. He's just, dude, just run straight ahead as fast as you can. Maybe make a guy miss, run through a couple of people's chests, and that's what he's going to be. So, but yeah, so, he was hurt. But I think he's he kind of always banged up a little bit. So, now we're getting to it. So you're a Jeff Wilson hater. All right. Uh, now I, I, I like this. <laughs> that, I got it. Oh, man. I like Jeff Wilson. I like Jeff Wilson. I like, maybe I am. Maybe I am a Jeff Wilson hater. Uh, you know, when it pertains to the 49ers, right, and we're, you know, getting back to the defense, I did see somebody talk about Arden Key. And Arden Key, where was it at? Where was it at? Can't find it. But anyways, Arden Key. Oh, here we go. Thoughts on mixing in 5-2 with the LB's uh, injuries. Okay, so 5-2, that's a five-man front with two linebackers. I don't know if they'll go that route. That would be something that's interesting to see, like, how they kind of balance that, right? Like, wanting to get more guys in there, depending on what the the Seahawks want to do. But it sounds kind of like the Seahawks have done a little bit more three-receiver sets. And and that's kind of contradicting what we've thought of the Seahawks, which have been more of a, hey, we want to run, run heavy, power. You know, we got these backs. But right now, maybe it's because they don't have that power back right now. They've gone a little bit away from what their identity is. And maybe that's been the issue with Russell Wilson. But I think this is a game where you potentially could just play more nickel and with guys missing. And we'll see what's going on with Fred Warner. I heard yesterday he was on the sideline running around, had a helmet on. He's trying. He's trying. Fred's trying to play. And we'll see if he's able to play. But – it is encouraging to see him, you know, have his jersey on, have a helmet on, running around on the sideline, do those things. But with guys going out, this just might be more of a nickel-heavy game for the 49ers. And one thing I will say about the 49ers having to play more nickel, and that's with Kawan Williams in there. Kawan Williams, he's good around the line of scrimmage. He's good, uh, you know, against the run in that area, from what I've seen. Like, I see him make, make enough plays to where, okay, I'm not really overly worried about him. Also, what you could do is go big nickel, where, you know, essentially you do have four down linemen, you do have two linebackers, but maybe you make Hufunga, uh, you know, a nickel. He obviously, you know, is more of a, a wheel-type position, but just a big uh, nickel role where you still have some of that coverage, you don't lose that, but you still have some of that physicality around the line of scrimmage, whether it's Hufunga or whether it's Tart, uh, two guys that can play kind of in that role and really help. So I don't know if you have to go 5-2, here, but I think you can go four two with an extra DB on the field that can still help versus to run. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, um, it's 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 going to fall on D'Amico Ryan's to be creative and find ways to create the pressure and keep it going. You know, I mean, uh, obviously the Fred Warner thing. We'll see if he's going to play. I, I, I'm probably not counting on that. I, the way that I'm, I've been thinking about this game is that he's not going to play. Um, and you know what? As much as you need him this week, it probably is smart to make sure that he's good because. You're going to need him for much longer. Same thing with Debo, right? I mean, th- these it couldn't have happened at a worse time, but at the same time, you have to be smart. But it's going to fall on D'Amico Ryans to find ways to keep Russell Wilson in the pocket, man, and don't allow him to get those back-breaking first-down runs. Like, those are the ones that worry me, right? And, and you know, like we talked about it right after the Washington game. 
I don't think I've ever seen Russell Wilson get caught from behind as much as he was in that game. So I don't know what's going on. But again, at the same time, throw everything that you saw, uh, you know, the last few weeks out because, you know, this will be the week for him, right? Right, right, right. Now we, you know, haven't really gotten to the secondary as much yet. You have, you know, DK Metcalf out there. You got uh, Tyler Lockett. You got the kid from, uh, was it Western Michigan? Uh, Dwayne Eskridge. 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 All right. So when you look at DK Metcalf and kind of what he's been right now, he's kind of a, I don't want to say an afterthought in the offense for the Seahawks, but he had one reception. I mean, one one attempt. Did he even have a catch last game? He did. He did. Final, uh, he, he on did. the final late drive. The on the final drive. Yeah, late. Now, he didn't have a catch until the final drive. He also didn't have a target until late in the in the fourth quarter. There looks, you know, it looks like he's potentially a little disgruntled going on here. Do you think that there's a potential this is the game that he gets back on track having to go against a, you know, Josh Norman or even a Emmanuel Mosley and Emmanuel Mosley, we've seen him do well against DK Metcalf. Yeah, I'm afraid of the squeaky wheel game. Like squeaky wheel gets the grease. Like he's been yelling. I'm sure that he's telling people, you know, behind the scenes and I'm sure that they're going to make a concerted effort to make sure he gets the ball. So that scares me because if he gets on track, then things start to really unlock for them, man. So, I mean, that's obviously what you're afraid of. And that's what, you know, eventually, right? It, it, it has to happen eventually. He's too good. They're too good, right? Offensively, talented wise. They're too good for this to continue, right? Like it can't keep going on, right? So I, I am afraid of the whole squeaky wheel game for DK Metcalf where, they force feed him and they or they they manufacture things for him and he starts to get going. And and that is worst case scenario, especially because I mean, I feel much better if Mosley's covering him because of the way Mosley's been playing. Um, Obviously, you have thoughts on Josh Norman. We, we you know, we talked about it back and forth. But uh, but if he starts to get going and other things start to unlock, if they can start getting him the ball intermediate, then it opens up things for for Lockett a little bit more. So, yeah, I'm definitely worried that this is going to be the week that they try to get him on track. The one thing that I do like about Josh Norman in this situation, and again, I defend Josh Norman because I don't think he's, I feel like you can do worse than him. That That's that's what I defend. Not that I think he's just like hella good or just shut down corner or, hey, we're, we're just perfectly fine with Josh Norman. It's like, nah, man, like we're talking about somebody who had to come in for Jason Verrett. He's a replacement level player. He's coming in off the bench. Um at least he has some sort of an impact with forced fumbles. I don't think he's great. I don't think he'll be on the roster next year. So when I talk about Josh Norman, I know I, I come off as defending him, but I, that's, I just think you could do worse. All right, justice now, for Norman. Justice for, justice for Norman. <laughs> now, now, saying that, one thing that he does do well, he's a lead at this. He can get in guys' heads. Yeah. We saw the battles with him and Des Bryant. We saw the battles with him and uh, Amari Cooper. One time where he was like, I don't know if you guys remember this clip. He was like, what do you have? Two catches? <laughs> 13 yards? I don't know if y'all remember that clip. Yeah, right? I do. Uh, when he, and against Des Bryant, when he took him to the back cave, he was like, yeah, I watched 300 last night. And I took Des to the back cave. I got. I went to this dark place. You know, what do you have? One catch? Yeah. Non-factor. Like, you know, like yeah. he knows how to get him receiver's head. We saw the battle with him and 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 uh, Odell Beckham. I don't know if he's still that guy on the field. As you get older, you get a little softer. I know that's happened with me. 34 years old now, I have like this super soft spot for my daughter. I'm like not as hard on my kids and stuff like that. But Josh Norman, we've seen DK Metcalf and how guys can take him out of the game. You know, we saw DK Metcalf against the New Orleans Saints, right? 
where he had a big play on the first, like first drive, one of the first plays of the game, he had that big game, like 40, 84 yard touchdown. After that, and that was early. I mean, that was like one of the first few plays of the game. After that, one catch, 12 yards because of a lot of what uh, Marshawn Lattimore was doing throughout the game, taking DK out of his game, being chippy, being extra after plays. I think Josh Norman can do a lot of that. Now, again, he's playing with fire a little bit because he's definitely not as physically gifted as a Marshawn Lattimore. But DK has been shown to kind of get a little fire. You can take him out of his game. We saw last game, he's really upset, not getting targets. He starts to loaf. He starts to jog. He starts not to give that maximum effort. Do you think that there's a potential there where, you know, maybe Josh Norman goes a little bit above and beyond to get into the head of DK Metcalf? Yeah, and the one thing I will praise Norman for, which ends up being a detriment because it ends up being penalties, is his aggressiveness and how and how physical he plays, right? And I think that that is a good point. If he can get DK out of his game, because you see it happening week after week, there's never a time where he's happy at this point, right? Especially if you've watched him over the last few weeks. And we talked about it in the Washington game, like pointing to Geno Smith on the sideline, yelling and everything, like people having to calm him down. If Norman can bump him a little bit more and he's complaining to the refs and he's not, he's not getting the targets. And, and then it, it, if you can take him away, then you really, really have this team in a bind because they don't really have much. I mean, they're so desperate at running back that they, they might be rolling Adrian Peterson this week. And, and, and I mean, everything else is not clicking in the same way. So I, I think it has to be a, a point of emphasis for the defense to find a way to get rid of him. And if that is Josh Norman playing a little bit, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say dirty. It's not dirty, but I mean, trying to play mind games with him, then whatever. I mean, I, you got to do what you got to do at this point. So I will say that I do appreciate his aggressiveness in that way because it can rub people the wrong way. Like even like, you know, it, it's starting to become an identity with this team when because on the offensive side of the ball, you see Brandon Ayuk getting Patrick Peterson flustered. You saw Jawan Jennings get that get get that one kid to swing on him. So that that is sort of the identity right now for this team and why they've been at least successful these last few weeks is they're getting back to basics on that. And I think that Josh Norman has a chance to do that. So that's a good point from um from you. Right. And now we, we talked about Emmanuel Mosley and on Locked On 49ers last night. Make sure y'all listen to Locked On 49ers. We talked about a stat that was thrown out there in favor of Emmanuel Mosley and how well he's doing. And we talk, I, a lot of the morning show is kind of reaction, right? A lot of shows in general reaction. And sometimes we don't talk about the things that aren't being talked about. And Emmanuel Mosley is not being talked about. He's someone who is playing very well. He's a legit starting cornerback in the NFL. Uh, there was a stat that was that was out there. I saw from uh, RSF 49ers, I believe it was. There's there's a few different 49er uh, Instagram pages, but I think I believe it was RSF 49ers. If 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 I'm uh, stating the wrong source, I apologize. But 51 targets this year, zero touchdowns given up. Yep. And uh, the only person that has done better than that was Tre'Davious White, 64 targets, zero catches, and obviously. Uh, Davis White out for the year with a knee injury. Mosley is playing very well. How much responsibility do you, do you think that he's playing well because they don't put a whole lot of responsibility on? Now, again, we've seen him follow some guys here and there. Gets mixed in with their normal coverages. He's not Marshawn Lattimore, where Marshawn, wherever that, they, hey, Marshawn, you're guarding this guy all day. He yeah. goes and guards that guy. They're not doing that with Mosley, but they have mixed in a little bit of having Mosley. Hey, Mosley, go Go guard this guy on this play. Or, you know, go guard that guy on this play. And he's done that with DK Metcalf a little bit. Do you think there's maybe something we see? But then what's the alternative? Is You know, who do you want him on? He's done a good job on DK. But then they also have Tyler Lockett. So 
do you foresee them potentially having him shadow anyone in this game? I think if it's necessary, I don't think that that's something that they want to do. But like to your point about like is Mosley playing very well? Yes, he is also. But I also think that it's, you know, one, not having to be on the field as much. Obviously, dominating time of possession doesn't have you on the field a bunch. But also when you're when you're an offensive coordinator and you're dialing up the game plan, right? Are you going to attack Emmanuel Mosley or are you going to attack Josh Norman? And I think that's really where it comes. Like it's not it's not a slight at Mosley. And this is something I'd like to see the 49ers do a little bit more. Like if there's a if there's a corner out there who's injured or something like that, go test him. You know, like when a, when a new guy comes in, take a shot. Like sh- like go see what he's about. So I think that a lot more people are going to try Josh Norman before they're going to try Mosley because one, he's playing very well, and two, that's probably the matchup to attack. So I mean, it depends on how the game goes. If DK Metcalf is getting off and there's there's a you know he's he's going crazy and everything then you might see that switch. And they, they have mixed in Mosley here and there. But I think that it all just depends on how the game goes. And I think it's more representative of, like, how offenses view this secondary. Like, there's Mosley. Yes, he's very solid. But I know that that matchup on the other side with Norman is probably the one that I want to attack a little bit more. So I think that that's a little bit of it, too. But Mosley's playing incredible, man. Like, like realistically, he's only had maybe one so-so game, and that was that Colts game where he had that pass interference in the end zone. That's it, realistically. Right. Like, he, has, he, hasn't he hasn't been given issue. up. No, at all, man. And 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 for as much as we knock the 49ers for, well, you missed on this pick, you missed on this pick, you have to give them props when they get an undrafted free agent and they turn him into a starter. Like, that portion of it shouldn't be lost upon the whole draft process as well either. Just because he wasn't drafted doesn't mean that they didn't develop him. And I think that that's something that you need to, to take into account. For every swing and miss that you have in the draft, which everybody agrees is a crapshoot, you have to give them respect for getting an undrafted free agent to play at the level that Emmanuel Mosley has played, especially since he's been pressed into duty with a rep being injured. Right. We have uh, we have Trice here. I hate that uh, we don't test rookies or a backup. Kyle has his plan and never sways away from it. Yeah, uh, that's one thing that I've definitely pointed out with Kyle Shanahan. And it's crazy because I was thinking about it last night watching the Dallas Cowboys game. And I watched CeeDee Lamb run a 12-yard stop route. And I'm just like, you know, he he ran the twelve yard stop, caught the ball, knifed upfield, picked up some extra yards. And I'm just like, 49ers just don't do that. And I'm I I'm thinking why, like why don't they do that? And I and I think this is what might make it difficult. I I think I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it. Sorry guys. What, <laughs> what a pump fake. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm not gonna say it. I'm staying away from uh Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo slander. I knew it. Yeah. I knew it, man. I'm staying away from it. But yeah, I would like to see Kyle Shanahan attack opposing teams' weaknesses as well. He attacks their weaknesses with scheme for the most part. So he knows how to put guys in conflict. Hey, if this guy shows on film that he's you know undisciplined in this role, he definitely does a really good job of you know. Hey, I'm going to attack this guy and put him in conflict to make him pick this, and we're going to go this way with it. But you don't see him just say, "Damn, that that corner sucks. Let's go at him and right. let's keep like, going at him. Let's keep targeting him." We don't we don't see that. Like Carson Wentz in the Colts game, he didn't throw the ball well, but when you notice that guys are either grabbing in the in you know deep down the field, he took shots. He continued, and then as soon as Drake Kirkpatrick comes in the game, oh, uh, I got my guy Pittman over there. Okay, toss that thing up, right? So. I think that you know. I know where you were going with it, and I think what uh, was understood. They want to hear what, it. So yeah, but what, but what's it. understood, but what's understood doesn't need to be said. What's under <laughs> that's it. Jimmy, 
Jimmy has some of his limitations. Again, I want to preface this by saying there are things that Jimmy does extremely well. And I think Kyle Shanahan does a really good job of playing to Jimmy Garoppolo's strengths while giving him an offense where he can play in rhythm and get the ball out of his hands. And that's when we see the best version of Jimmy Garoppolo. There are certain things, and we talk about Jimmy with his limitations, to where he doesn't excel at certain things. He doesn't excel at throwing outside the numbers or certain drive throws. So we don't put those into the offense. Some of those things to take advantage of a weakness at cornerback would be having to push the ball downfield or make certain drive throws or potentially throw tight window throws on the outside. And that and that's just not something that Jimmy Garoppolo excels at. So it's hard to – it makes it hard for Kyle Shanahan to really just take advantage of a weakness that's on the outside. So instead of doing that, he does what Jimmy Garoppolo does extremely well, and that's right. be efficient, over the middle, timing throws, playing in rhythm. Jimmy does that at you know as good as anyone in the NFL. So why do something that Jimmy's not great at when he wins this way? I have the fourth best winning percentage uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo starting in the NFL since 2017. I'm going to do the things that lead to that, that leads to victories, and it's not – targeting one player on the outside because he's not as great. Right. And you can't have it both ways, right? Like what well, we can complain with all of those things too, but it's a coach's job to play to their team, his team strengths, his player strengths. And that's it. Like you don't, don't force guys to do what they don't want to do, or they're not as capable of, right? It's just, it would be nice sometimes when there's a backup or there's a rookie or somebody who's struggling, right. To just say, Hey man, let's just test them out. See what's going on. Like, like for example, right. Um, Jason Verrett, right, when he comes into that Steelers game in 2019, right, that's Mason Rudolph on the other side, right? And what does he do? Mason Rudolph looks and says, okay, Jason Verrett just came in the game, shot to Deontay Johnson, boom, right over his head, touchdown. And obviously Jason Verrett wasn't ready right then. So, look, I mean, but, uh, all right, this comment, that's fine. We we know that. We're not saying I don't think we're acting like that, right? We, yeah, yeah, we didn't no, say that no. he doesn't win with Jimmy or can't beat like we're not like talking we see Frank about here. That. Uh, since 2017, only one QB has been more efficient at quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. His name is Patrick Mahomes. Definitely. And there's a reason why Jimmy Garoppolo is so efficient. That right? kind of plays to our point. To do certain things. That, yeah. play, that plays and, to our point. He's, and, and he's we're playing to his quarterback strength. He doesn't do the outside throwing right. stuff because that's not his strengths. Right. If we want the best version of Jimmy Garoppolo is doing the things that he does. And that typically can lead to wins. You know? Yes. So when people talk about Kyle, offensive genius and all this, I think that's part of it, right? And, and again, most coaches, they want to play to their players' strengths. I think Kyle does an exceptional job of doing that with Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and again, his strengths are really high. And that's why when I talk about um, trading Jimmy Garoppolo and potentially getting a first-round pick, that's because I value what Jimmy does well. And I watched the Saints last night, and there's no way that you can tell. I think if, if the Saints had Jimmy Garoppolo last night, they win that game. Yeah. They win that game. You know, Correct. because he's just better. He's better than whatever we saw from Taysom Hill. I think Jimmy is a good quarterback. Crocs, some breaking news. Um, uh -oh. Seahawks oh, no. offensive coordinator Shane Waldron says he wants to get the ball to DK Metcalf more in week 13. We've got to get that guy <laughs> the ball. We're going to keep working to get that done, not making any excuses about different things that happen throughout the course of the game. It's just something we have to get done. What? Wow. I wonder who just said that. Yeah, okay, but here's my thing. I think it's obvious to yeah. everyone in America that right. you need to get DK McCaffrey more involved. But I do think... Is, I, do think I hate that they're, they're going to make up. it more of a focal point heading into this right. game because they're playing right. against the 49ers. I think that they're just going to find... They're, they're going to like put like design one reads to, to Metcalf now, and I think that this is going to be... Whoever's going to be on the other side of him better be ready because they're going to try. 
Oh, Chris, why are you gassing it? <laughs> that boy, that boy, a killer, man. Stop playing with my man, Vince, man. Don't play with Vince. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, real quick. Um, we are going to get to some of your guys' calls. Uh, I want to take this time right now to go over some fantasy football stuff. So if you haven't already, hit the like button. All right, hit the like button. Click the, click the chat down. There's 187 of y'all in here. I haven't checked on how many likes there have been so far. I'm not going to check, but I want you guys to do me a favor. Click the chat down. Hit the like button. And then come back in here. And if you do like this show and you're new to it, yeah, hit the like button. And also subscribe to this channel so you can join us every morning, 6.30 a.m. Pacific time, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, 8.30 Central time, which is my time. I appreciate everybody that's in the chat right now. I appreciate my guy, guy Jason Laponte, for coming on. But let's get into some of the fantasy talk, all right? And you guys, whatever fantasy questions you have, put those in the chat. Obviously, sometimes the chat starts booming. It's hard to catch some of it. Super chats help. All right, helps me kind of really see it. But um, any fancy questions, whether it's 49ers or other, put those in the chat right now. We will focus more on 49ers and fantasy football as it pertains to what we're expecting from players. But uh, yeah, anything that you have, whether it's 49ers related or other, put it in the chat right now. All right, so fantasy football. Let's talk about just what you're kind of expecting. If you if you have Brandon Ayuk, right? Now, this is a game where DK, uh, DK, Debo Samuel will not be active. Are you expecting an influx in just production from Brandon Ayuk? And is that someone that people should start? Let's say you have Deontay Johnson. Um, yeah, Deontay Johnson, Brandon Ayuk, and Terry McLaurin. Are you starting uh, uh, Brandon Ayuk over any of those guys? I'm starting all three of them. That that means one of them is going to be my flex. I mean, if you play in a two wide receiver league, you have to. I think Brandon Ayuk. I think Brandon Ayuk is an auto start, um, at this point in this game because last week you saw it even with Debo Samuel there. Um, three catches, 93 yards. One of Jimmy Garoppolo's best throws was to Brandon Ayuk that throw over the middle that was just out of the fingertips of the the linebacker. Um, it's going to have to be Brandon Ayuk. It's going to have to be George Kittle. So those guys, obviously you're already going to start Kittle if you have him right now. You're riding with it. You probably spent the high pick on him. But the way that Ayuk is ascending right now, I don't think that there's a, a world where you can't start him now at this point. You would have to have some really, really, really great options um, to, to to bench him at this point. All right, so um, I have – now, this helps me because a couple guys aren't playing their own bye. But mm -hmm. let's say hypothetically all these guys are playing. You tell me who you're playing. Okay. DJ Moore, uh -huh. Jarvis Landry, uh -huh. Jamar Chase, Brandon Ayuk. I'm starting Chase and Ayuk. I love DJ Moore, dude. I know he's on a bye this week, but just what's been happening lately. I mean, I know he had 100 yards last week, and that that uh, largely came in garbage time because, you know, uh, Cam had a, a rough, rough, rough game. And, and the Panthers on, on a whole had a rough game. Like, if you watch that offensive line, there were turnstiles in that game. Jalen Phillips was crushing them. But if if it came down to, let's say, all of them were active this week, then I'm going Chase and Ayuk because Chase is an auto start anytime that he's out there. Um, I would go Ayuk as well, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's too much up and down with DJ Moore right now, and Ayuk is peaking at the right time right now. Here we go. We got a, we got a question from our guy, Jesse. Hey, Jesse, I actually sent you a link on DM to join us with this conversation. But uh, Higgins, Boyd, Sutton, pick one. T Only Higgins. one. T Higgins. Higgins. Oh, um, man, you Boyd. need to think about that. Yeah, Boyd, Boyd is uh, an afterthought. I mean, he had like two catches for 10, and Sutton, uh, Judy's back, and now all of a sudden, all of his targets have gone away. I mean, that was the, the, the whole thing that Sutton was doing well it was when Judy was out. 
Uh, he he was getting a lot of targets, but uh, I understand that Sutton probably has the better matchup out of all of them because it's Kansas City, but Kansas City's defense is actually playing a lot better. Since they switched Chris Jones back inside and they got Melvin Ingram, that front four has actually been getting to the quarterback, and they've been playing a lot better on defense. So you can't really go off of what's been hap- like what happened a long time ago. You have to go with what's happening right now. T. Higgins is uh, the preferred red zone guy. I mean, I know that Chase is their, their one guy, but it, it Boyd is just like, he's falling by the wayside. Like, I am literally at a point in one of my leagues, in, in our home league, though, the one that uh, you're in with me, Croc, like, yeah. I, I'm close to dropping Tyler Boyd, man. I can't rely on it week to week, man. Like, I have Deontay Johnson, Justin Jefferson, and Darnell Mooney I'm rolling out in, with the three receivers, and Boyd just never seems to be a guy that I feel excited to play. Like, it, it, he'll have a game here and there, but it's hard to, to rely on him at this point. Jamar Chase is another guy that I don't want to say it's hard to rely on him because you know it's going to come and potentially he's going to give you a touchdown. But the last four games, he's, he hasn't eclipsed 50 yards receiving. Mm-hmm. And that's been tough for me because, uh, you know, I have him and it's like, okay, I got to start him because at yeah. any point he can go for 100 and something yards and a touchdown. But he hasn't really been giving me, you know, the numbers that he was giving me early on kind of carrying me to victories. Right. No, that's true. I mean, and then that's the thing is when you get – when you get used to that level of production and you start to say, okay, this is my God, that's it. And then he starts to taper off. It's like, damn, you keep playing him. It's like, you're chasing those points again, you know? And, and, and I, it's, it's weird, right? Because I always, I always say, start your studs, right? Like, don't get too cute. Like, don't, don't like, don't bench him for like Jacoby Myers because you think Jacoby Myers has a better matchup that week or something like that. Right. But at the same time, playing guys over and over if they're not living up to your expectation that can kill you week to week so it's like it's hard you don't want to miss out on those boom weeks you don't want to miss out on those weeks that chase, chase is going to go crazy so it's hard to bench him in here we go got another question for you van jefferson is he uh is van jefferson worth replacing sutton with you're damn right especially if odell beckham isn't playing this week he didn't practice again today and now it looks like his his um his status is in doubt. So if Odell doesn't play, Van Jefferson is a plug-and-play guy. I like it a lot at, at this point. Um, Look, for as bad as that, that Rams offense has been looking, Matthew Stafford made some questionable throws. He also dropped some dimes, including one to, to Van Jefferson in that game. And uh, I think that if he's going to have an expanded role with Odell Beckham not playing because it looks like it's trending in that direction that Odell's going to miss this week, then yes, Van Jefferson's a good start this week. You would have to have some really good options to not have him in your lineup this week. Nice. Here we go. Got uh. Mitchell will be critical to victory against Seattle and the defense. And speaking of Mitchell, I don't have him in your league, but I have him in my guy Chris. You do? So, you don't? Yeah, I got I got Elijah Mitchell. No, I don't, I don't have him in. Oh wait, no, I do you got do. him right here. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. So I'm starting. I started him, uh, DeAndre Swift. So you know, obviously, this is Swift's super flex league. Swift's out. He, he I says he's be. questionable. He's out. You think he's out? Yeah, everybody everybody went to run to Jamal Williams. It looks like he's trending to be out. I shouldn't be giving this advice at our league, man. You better get with it, Well, Croc. because I, I got I got I got uh I got I got Williams anyways. All right, so then there you go. I mean, one way or another, you starting the you starting the Lions running back then. Yep. You better keep your now, eye Darren on that. Waller, I, 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 yeah, Waller's Darren out. Waller looks like he's out. So doubtful. Let's see. Um let's look at players available. I'm gonna need a tight end. Mm. All right. Foster so Moreau would have been the pickup. Foster Moreau would have been the pickup if you were, if you were the Waller uh, manager, just because he's going to have Cole a full time role. Cole Komet, if, if uh, Allen Robinson is not going to play, so that's a boost for Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. That would be the person that I would be looking at probably. That's probably your best bet um, from what's left. In so here's the, here's here's my options here: mm-hmm. Cole Komet, Gerald Everett, or Tyler Conklin. Conklin Everett is like playing against the 49ers. 
Yeah, Conklin's touchdown or bust, that one's a little bit tougher. He almost had a touchdown um, against the 49ers last week. Uh, Gerald Everett actually seems to be somebody who Russ likes, and he's familiar with the Rams offense. He came right over. But I think I would lean Komet here just because they're they're going to be missing options uh, with Allen Robinson. I don't think Allen Robinson's playing this week, and we're going to find out today. If he doesn't practice again today, he's out Sunday. So that'll just be Mooney and Komet. So um, they're playing Arizona. You know they're going to need to throw the ball. There's going to be plenty of garbage time. It just Even if it's Fields or if it's Dalton, I, I would feel fine with it. All right. I hope we, I hope we answered a lot of you guys' fantasy football questions. Appreciate everybody that's in here. We're going to get into a little bit of underdog fantasy, and then I'm going to put the uh, link in the chat for y'all. All right, so you already know what it is with the underdog fantasy. Promo code Crocky. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app Underdog Fantasy. Use promo code Crocky when signing up. All right, and you guys are about to see right now just how fun this app is. I have a great time doing it, uh, especially if you are one that likes to bet, like I definitely do. All right, so here we go. We got underdog fantasy. You guys are going to help me. And, you know, we what we do, we do the 49ers game. All right. So we're only doing 49ers game. Let's scroll down to where the 49ers against the Seahawks. This is the whole league. And look, they got basketball. You see the basketball players mix in here as well. You can do over under. Tyler Hero, is he going to make two and a half? Or is he going to make his over under set at two and a half? How many three points do you think he's going to hit? If you think of three, hit that. DK Metcalf, over under right here. We're going to get to that. But let's go to the. NFL, but they got, look at, they got all sports here. They even got college football. All right. So you got NFL. And we're going to scroll down. Let's see where I'm at. Over, under. They got rivals too. I'll show you guys how that works. But again, this is underdog fantasy right now. I love it. They don't have a whole lot of props out for the 49ers right now. But I do know one thing. Off top, I'm taking the over on Jimmy G's passing yards, 228 yards. Now here's the sticky thing. Go ahead. Over. Over? I'm I'm taking the over on Jimmy's yards. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I feel confident. I, I feel confident with that. Okay. You you don't. You you sound No, like no, you no. Don't. I'm just saying okay. I'm 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 just, I'm just listening. I'm not I'm not no, I that's not that's... how you No, right, you're, so... you're 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 okay. Uh-oh. What I do? No, I'm not condescending you're okay or anything like that. Your okay no, no, was no. not one of like That's Oh, okay. That's... Like that's what you're doing. Okay. It was like a like oh, you know like do you see that video of of Kevin Hart, and he was like, "Damn," and and you know, talk, like that's what you just did to me. No, no, you're good. I mean, I think that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is gonna have to do that in this game for them to win it. Win this game, like he's not gonna. This is not gonna be a game where he can throw for like two fifteen, two twenty. Like he's gonna have to put those numbers up. So I, I'm with you. Like I'm, I'm with you on this one. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Now what's that? Okay. No, that was a, that was a, like okay, like okay. I hear you, Russell Wilson, two hundred thirty-four yards. Uh, last time he played the 49ers, his numbers weren't that high. Here are – so his over-under set at two, 234.5. These are his last few games, which is crazy. How do you have 40 attempts and only 161 yards? So he's definitely not himself. Hopefully he doesn't snap out of that against the 49ers. It really took the last drive last game to get over that uh, this mark because he had that long drive. 207 yards against Arizona. He hasn't been throwing for a bunch of yards. No, so, and what's – What's With his over under set at two two thirty four and a half, what, what are we doing? Like it's funny because if you looked at his stat line, right? Let's say you blindly didn't watch the game and you just went and looked at the box score. He had like a hundred and one passer rating. Uh, he only missed this amount of throws. You'd have been, oh man, Russell Wilson had a really good game. No, he didn't. Like he really didn't. That's why those numbers are deceiving. Um, at this point, I think that 
I'm scared of what Russell Wilson's going to do in this game. Um, 234 yards, he probably goes on the over. If I think that he's going to play better this game, and, and I do, I really believe that in my heart. Um, I think that he does go over in this game. Like, like you know, obviously the offensive coordinator coming out and saying that they want to get the ball to DK Metcalf. That's like, you know, not rocket science or anything like that. But I do think that they are going to have a game plan where they're going to have to throw more, especially considering uh, the running back situation. So, yeah, I think it's going to be over. I don't know. I just now, I, 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 I can't see him being that bad again. Go ahead. Here's my only pushback, and it's something that gets a little overlooked with the 49ers. They don't really give up a bunch of yards no. through the air. No. So it, – do you think here's a question? Do you think the 49ers will be able to limit the big play? Because if they limit the big play, then I think he's it's the under. But if they're yeah, not I gonna mean, limit the big play, which they've done a good job of all year, then yeah, he'll hit the over if he gets that big play. Yeah, I think that he's still gonna this is still gonna be like a 35, 40 attempt game for him, one way or another. Okay. Um, so okay. I mean I think that if he gets that many attempts, they can still limit the big play and he can still have the he can still hit the over, I think. Like he can still hit those intermediate throws. Like he doesn't have to hit those bombs to hit two thirty four if he's gonna throw it forty times. Now DK Metcalf's over under is set at sixty three and a half yards. His last three games. Oh, oh man. So his last three games combined. I don't even think he's over 63. <laughs> he's oh barely over God. 63 and a half yards over the last three games combined. He had one reception for 13 yards against uh, Washington. They obviously just came out and said that they want to get him more involved. Four, four for 31 against Arizona. Three for 26 against Green Bay. He just has not been getting it going. 63 and a half over under right now. They just talked about wanting to get him more involved. Like, What are your thoughts on that? I mean, if Russell Wilson, I'm picking him to go 234, I think a lot of that has to do with DK Metcalf. So I'm going to hit the over on this one, too, as well. I, again, like, uh, there's a world where he doesn't have to hit that big play. If he's going to throw it 40 times and he can get to 234, and I don't think that he gets to 234 without DK Metcalf. Like, this wouldn't be a huge, like, 175 Tyler Lockett game. Now that I said that, watch it be that or whatever. But I think that if he's going to get to that 234, he's going to need DK Metcalf to have a pretty solid game. So... I'm just I'm predicting the worst when it comes to the Seahawks because I just I, I expect them to play well this week I, I don't know what the hell uh you know I don't care what's been going on I just know for a fact that this is the 49ers and they find a way to figure it out I, I just I just think that he's gonna have I, I would hit the over because if I have Russell Wilson at the over I think that DK Metcalf is gonna be part of it so all right here's what I you don't like do, pick, man. I'm gonna you don't like picking the over on everything right um uh, I he just, I mean, we're right right now. What we're doing is we're just we're basically saying he's gonna do something that he has not been doing. That's true. Like, you know, and even against the 49ers, we'll look at maybe one of his early matchups against the 49ers. Real quick, if you guys want to get in on any of this action right here that we're doing, here's the link right here. Just click the link, use promo code Crocky, and you guys too can get in on this over-under action and you know, make you some. Make you a little money. Make you a little money here. But DK Metcalf, Aponte told me to go with the over. So I'm I'm gonna go with the over. I'm gonna Damn go it. with the over. Do what you want, Croc. I'm just giving you advice, man. Don't because then don't come back to me and be like, look what happened. Nah, nah, nah. That's cool. I mean, we're, we're doing five dollars here. Now, right. here's some of the other games. I'll add a couple a couple more. What's this, eggnog? No, it's a protein shake. A protein shake. You you use my stuff, my herbalife? That's why you're wearing the Monet hat. Do you want to wear it on camera so people can see the Monet? Okay. That was my wife, y'all. Sorry. I'm like, what is this eggnog? Like, you know, I thought she was trying to give me spike, spike some eggnog with it because it's like, you know, I guess it is, you know, milkshake. But 
It looks like eggnog with like a little bit of Hennessy in it or something. But oh man, mm, that's actually good. Whatever she did to that. All right, here we go. So I got a couple, couple more over unders here. We're we're set right here. We got Jimmy Garoppolo's over of 228 yards. Uh, Russell Wilson's over, and DK Metcalf over. All right, now let's see it. Here we go. Joe Burrow. I think it'd take more than 244 yards to beat the LA Chargers. So do you think he hits the over on this? Does he go crazy? Yeah, he does. But here's the thing, man. Joe Mixon has been incredible lately, man. And he's been running, I think, like, and the problem with the Chargers is they can't stop the run. So, I mean, it, it if if the Chargers score points the way I think that they will, and I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, then, yeah, I think Joe Burrow hits the over on this one. But, man, uh, Joe Mixon has been incredible lately, man. If you guys have been watching him, he's uh, he's turning into that guy that people thought he was before, uh, you know, when he was coming out of the draft. So, so you're you're saying go with the under or Joe Burrow? If I'm hearing you correctly, I would say go with the over because I think this game is going to be full of points. It's just the, like the, if you just I had told a, me that. It's, but if I said the hesitation, but, all right, look. So what I was saying <laughs> is is that Joe Mixon has been playing very well, but I think that the Chargers are going to score points, and you can't just like rely on the run. They're going to have to throw the ball. Like Zach Taylor still wants to throw the ball, so uh, Joe Burrow is going to be fine at two forty four. All right, all right, here we go. Uh, last two games versus Seattle, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. Ooh, that's something to. No, please don't put that out in the air. Well, I mean, for the people that want to see Trey Lance, I guess. But no, like, no, I, no. I, we could want to see Trey Lance, but not like not that, that way. Like not that I, way. I don't want to see Trey Lance if, right. if he wasn't the one that they prepared for that game and built a game plan around him. I don't want to see him. Yeah, I don't. Right. You know, and I never I, want so, to see a player get injured anyway. So, right. That too. Yeah. So I mean that that is true though, man. That's hard. Uh, that's a a tough pill to swallow. That kind of depressed me a little bit. Here we go. We got over on Burrow, under on Justin. And Justin's uh, was two eighty one. Two eighty one. Uh, yeah. That's I, that's actually that sounds that sounds reasonable. That's a good one, Patrick. I like that actually. Um, because uh, Joe uh, Justin could throw for two seventy something like that, and they could still uh, be competitive in the game. All right, here we go. Oh, this is a good one. Lamar Jackson, 302 total yards. That's rushing and receiving. Uh, that one's hard, man. I, I stayed I away from it. I have five already. So here we go, y'all. We're doing this. Putting $5 down. That $5 on this parlay. Jimmy Garoppolo over. Russell Wilson over. DK Metcalf over. Joe Burrow over. Justin Herbert under. All right. That $5, the payout is $100. I click it, confirm, and boom, there it is. Now, again, that, that slip right there, if you guys want to get in on that action, it is Underdog Fantasy. Go to Underdog Fantasy or UnderdogFantasy.com and use the promo code Crocky to get in on all that action. Let's go. Do that right now. Aponte Compton or McGlinchey, who's better? <laughs> McGlinchey, but Compton's playing well, man. I mean, I, I I think that's where you're getting at, like, right now. But honestly, like, you know, I know we give a lot of, uh, of crap to Compton, but um, right now I think a lot of what's happening with Compton is um, what Jalen Moore was struggling with a little bit in terms of understanding the protections, understanding the calls, the stunts, those things. And sometimes it's mind over matter, right? Like, Compton isn't as athletically gifted as Moore. Obviously, we know that. But it's about understanding what you're seeing and being able to put yourself in position. And uh, credit Kyle Shanahan for – calling up quick plays, not allowing Compton to be left on an island. And, uh, I mean, 
Compton's playing right now, right well right now. But yeah, the Mike McGlinchey stuff, like y'all are just like y'all are wilding right now. If you think that uh, Compton's uh, better than McGlinchey, my guy Chris said we are not feeling McGlinchey loss at all. Like, it hasn't been an issue. Credit credit Kyle Shanahan. But uh, I will say this: the whole oh just plug and play Jalen Moore thing. That thing hasn't really progressed as well as people have been tossing that out there about is because again you can't just flip left to right tackle and think that that works this isn't peewee football and he had he struggled in that he got benched in the jacksonville game um so he needs to go through his reps and everything as well but again compton understands the offense and kyle knows the limitations on the right side so he's not putting uh jimmy garoppolo in places where he has to straight drop back and 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 the deeper long routes because that puts compton in a bind and and credit Kyle for, for doing the right thing and putting his players in in um success uh in spots to succeed. Here we go. We say uh Grant Cohen, the 49ers don't miss McGlinchey. And that's tough, right? Because you don't miss him, but you already picked up picked up his fifth year option. I mean, everybody has been feeling that McGlinchey was a little a little average, right? I mean, obviously, like you know, there's certain areas where he does well, but for the most part, a little average in the sense of having to pay him an average of top five money. For, or no, that's not what a fifth-year option is. But anyway, fifth-year option, he's going to make good money. Would, should you pay him as opposed to the trade-off, which is Jalen Moore on a rookie contract and a cheap one at that? Tom Compton, you know what I'm saying? Like, next year, do you feel more comfortable rolling out with Tom? You could have saved money, right, by not picking up McGlinchey's fifth-year option, but you would have Tom Compton or Jalen Moore. Would you feel comfortable with that? I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. At least with Jalen Moore, he's, you know, he he would be gaining experience. He's a draft pick, so you're developing him. That's fine. But right now with this team in win-now mode, you really can't take those lumps at right tackle right now. Like, you can't have a guy who's going to continuously miss blocks and things like that. So in terms of development, because this team is winning games and they're in a playoff spot, you have to go with the veteran. I don't like the idea of – like, just because Tom Compton is playing well for three games and things like that – it it, it uh, you as the more you play the more chances you have to, to mess up yeah i know i just i don't want to i don't want to disrespect i don't want to disrespect nfl players right like i don't want to yeah. you know but the more opportunities that you have the more chances for things to go wrong happen so i don't think that again like backups are backups for a reason right a backup quarterback can come in and play well for two three games but the more they play generally things don't go their way because that's why they're a backup but again credit kyle shanahan credit him for Knowing to the guy who has the system down, Tom Compton, and and calling plays that that don't put him in a bind, and and, and putting people in positions to succeed. Jason, we had a question here. Oh wait, that wasn't it. Kyle's brain Kyle fart. has brain uh, fart when the game's on the line. <laughs> okay, well somebody asked, where was it at? Uh, someone said, Jason, how tall are you? But someone answered that question for you, right here. Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, I am. Crack, you you like you got to see you got to see uh in Philly. Um yeah, six five for for no reason. Uh, you know. And and it probably <laughs> it pro- it probably looks worse too because I'm so slim, right? But uh but yeah, I used to play basketball in high school. Okay. Okay. Basketball players are kind of soft, but yeah. That's fine. Feel, there was a I question or I definitely wasn't trying to play uh football either though, so let's just put it like that. <laughs> that should have been it. So, I want to address this here. It says Kyle has stepped up his game planning and play calling, but he does get away from it in big games. I don't think it's as much as him getting away from it in big games as it is when you're in a big game, it's good on good, so everything doesn't just go quite your way at times, right? Like, everybody talks about the the game planning of Kyle Shanahan, like, oh, yeah, he's in his bag calling plays. I, I don't think he's just calling different plays. I think 
the execution at times is just better, right? If you look at early in the Vikings game, and I'm please, I'm not getting on Jimmy Garoppolo right now, but him missing the over route to George Kittle, right? That it looked like it schemed up. It looked like they're clearing out it with Travis Benjamin up the left sideline, and they're bringing uh, George Kittle in there wide open. Uh, Jimmy doesn't see it. He throws it backside to Debo Samuel, and it's an incomplete pass. Is Kyle not in his bag because Jimmy didn't throw to the guy that's wide open? That would have been a big catch and run. So there are times that things happen like that where I don't think it's that Kyle's not in his bag or that he's getting away from things that he wants to do. I think a lot of times, and I don't want to just say it's him. Like, I don't want to dissolve him of all issues, but I think at times it's just that the execution could just be poor from the offense on that given play. And that's why, you know, and I don't think he gets away from things that he wants to do in big games. I think sometimes, again, it's just good on good. Maybe on that play, another team did good. I I, I don't think it's as simple as just saying, I don't think, now I'm getting like you. I don't think that being a good play caller just comes and goes. I think it's just, just do my players execute on that at that time? And I think you can maybe say, if you want to put anything on him, it's, Maybe he didn't prepare his players enough to be able to execute in that given moment. And maybe they weren't prepared for a certain look. And that's the reason why it didn't go their way. But I don't think it's, it's just, well, he just all of a sudden forgot how to call plays. And let me let me expand on that a little bit more, too, because this is at least what I see from the outside looking in. Now, and I could be completely wrong here. But when Kyle sees that get missed, instead of going back to it, I think he tears it out of the playbook. And he's just like, we're not going to that now. If he's not hitting that, then we're not going to keep trying to go to that. So that's another thing, right? And I think that it's all dependent on what he sees. And he adjusts at least in that way of like what I feel comfortable running at this point. Like I gave you that, that George Kittle over, you, you didn't see it. You didn't hit it. Cool. Ripping it out of the playbook. We're not going back to it just because I don't feel confident in you doing that. So I, at least that's what I see from, from uh, the outside looking in. And, you know, again, I could be wrong. There are a lot of people right here. He's got the um, 28-3, you're up. He throws the ball. If he just runs the ball in Atlanta, Kyle wins the Super Bowl. Again, my pushback on that, I think I think it's easy to say those things in hindsight, right? We look at Kansas City Chiefs against the 49ers in the Super Bowl. No. I don't want to talk about that. Early in that game... Fourth and one in the red zone, Chiefs go for it. That's that's an aggressive mindset. They don't have to. They could kick a field goal and just take the points. They go for it. They get it. Instead of getting three, they get a touchdown, right? That's an aggressive mindset. They could have easily done what everybody thought they should have done, which was just, hey, just take the points, kick the field goal. They didn't. The week before that, Kansas City Chiefs against the Cleveland Browns. Fourth and one, midfield. You don't have Patrick Mahomes. He got choked out of the game. You have... Um, and this is this past season, this past postseason. Mahomes not in. He gets choked out. It's fourth and like two. You're at midfield with with Henny at quarterback. You could just punt the ball, and nobody would think anything of it. He doesn't. He goes for it on fourth down to put the game away, and he gets it. Could have just punted it. If he punted it. Now, let's say he went for it, didn't get it, and the Browns are in scoring position. They go down and score, and they win. You know what I'm saying? Like, so with Kyle Shanahan, and you look at him in that Super Bowl, again, I'm going to the execution. 
Well, you could say if he runs the ball, they win a Super Bowl. You can also say if uh, Devontae Freeman picks up the guy off the edge, he hits a big touchdown down the left sideline, which was game wide over. open. And game over. You can also say um, on that last drive when they're up eight with time going down, maybe he could have ran it. But also, he completed a pass, put them in field goal range, but they called holding and brought it back. Yeah. You know what I'm that saying? That was the, the Julio Jones he, catch. Or the, yeah, right after the Julio Jones catch, they had a completion down the left sideline mm -hmm. that put them in perfect field goal range. I mean, at like the 22-yard line, they kick a field goal, game is over. They called holding. Now, again, we could say, well, if he just would have ran in or whatever, he was a little aggressive. But, I mean, there's enough scenarios to see these things kind of go both ways to where I'm not going to say, well, if he just runs the ball, they win. Yeah, I don't think it's that simple. I think a lot of things had to go the Patriots' way for them to win it. And I don't think it was just as simple as, oh, just run the ball. I think it was, well, yeah, they called holding. It got called back. And then there's something happened in the ticket sack. Like, you know, just these different things that played out. So right. and that's it, just kind of I, the way I think about it. I think it's easy in hindsight to say that it would have been a, dinner, a different outcome. Same for the 49ers. Well, they just run the ball in, in the fourth quarter against a stacked box when the numbers are telling you it's, a, it's an option. And Jimmy Garoppolo has the option to – either hand it off or check into the throw, which was the right decision versus what he was seeing in the box. But the pass guy, if, if if Jones, Chris Jones doesn't bat a ball down at the line of scrimmage, we're not having this conversation. And the 49ers nope. have a, you know what I'm saying, they got a championship ring. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? They got one of those, you know? So I, I think it's a little, the hindsight thing. But yeah. I don't know. Give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, Kyle talked about it. I think it was on Sean McVay's. Uh, appreciate you, Milf Hunter. That's such a funny name, too, to say out loud. Um, uh, you know what it is? Uh, I think Kyle was on, when he was on McVay's podcast, they, they, they talked about it. And he talked about that scenario, uh, being the offensive coordinator for Atlanta. And he talked about what you said. He wanted to end that game. And he talked about it like, hey, man, obviously it, it wasn't, it, it didn't work. You take the sack there. But the play was there for us. And again, right? Like the play caller can only do so much. It's up to the execution. Certain things are out of your, out of your control in that way. And he went to go finish the job there. Like he understood that if we, if we get this first down or if I'm able to put us into that field goal range, I can do this more effectively with the pass called the right play. didn't end up that way, but he had that aggressive mindset to try and end it, end the game there. But unfortunately is what it is. It doesn't end up that way. And, you know, we'll have this discussion until the end of time at this point as to right. what probably should have been done. And it's just, you know, is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is right there. You got some uh, Sprint Right podcast love right here. From Appreciate that, Milf Hunter, man. Yeah, that name, Milf Hunter, Hunter, is always funny elite. to say. Yeah, he's, he got the elite YouTube name. Appreciate that, man. That means a lot. Hey, man, if Tom Brady wasn't so good in the Super Bowl, Kyle Shanahan would have a Super Bowl win. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too, man. What the hell? Tom Brady's just out here just smashing everybody's dreams, man. Like, Patrick Ewing's not trash because he didn't get a ring. He just ran into Michael Jordan in the Eastern Conference Finals every year, man. Like, my goodness. Man. All right, here we go. We got 188 <laughs> likes in here and only 88. And, and real, real quick, yeah, definitely like this like this video. 88 likes. Come on, y'all. Let's get those likes up, baby. Get those likes up. Um, When you're facing the boogeyman, when you're facing Tom Brady, you know, okay, perfect example, and we'll end on this. Hmm. Kyle Shanahan, you just you earlier you used a, a a Michael Myers reference, right? Right. And have you seen the have you seen the latest Michael Myers? I have. Halloween? They should have finished the damn job. So they didn't finish the job, right? <laughs> they thought they had they they had him down. They're stabbing him. They're hitting him. They're beating him up. He's face down. He looks like he's dead, but they didn't finish the job, right? They 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 they, they took their foot off the gas pedal. 
and then he gets up and he kills everybody. And that's <laughs> Tom Brady. If you yeah. when when you think you're, you know, oh yeah, it's just as simple as just run the ball here. But with Tom Brady, you can't take your foot off the gas. You can't take it off. You gotta keep it going. And when you don't, that's when he gets you. He comes back, he gets you. That's what he did against Kyle. That's what he's done against seven other people or six other teams in Super Bowls in his wins. You know who did not take their foot off the gas? You know who didn't take their foot off the gas against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl? The motherfucking Eagles. They they were throwing the ball. They were getting tricky. It's goal line. They ran the Philly special. They did everything they could. And it, it took everything. Goddamn. Tom Brady threw for like 500 yards in that game. And lost. And lost. It took yep. everything. It took everything for the – it took the kitchen sink. It took everything to beat Tom Brady. You don't take your foot off the brake against him or the gas against him. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. And Kyle kept going at it. And even then, even when you do that sometimes, you still lose. Tom Brady's yep. that good. And I appreciate also, everybody that's in the chat. Make sure you guys hit the like, hit the subscribe. Go ahead. Also, one more thing, you know, for the people that are like, oh, you know, um, Jimmy Ride's defenses and everything. Tom Brady's played with some good opportunistic defenses who've made plays to him to, for putting in position to, to go ahead and go do those drives as well, too. So everybody needs a defense. Everybody needs help. Everybody. Right. So my, uh, my guy, my, my guy, Patrick Seeley, he says, so let me clarify. Kyle has good game and time management in big games. I'll say in, in moments like that, right, we're talking about the biggest of biggest games. When it's good on good, somebody has to lose. And unfortunately, Kyle has lost twice. I'll say that. Whatever decisions that went into the game being the way it was, the other team is good too. And there's a, there's a saying that we always use in sports, and especially football, like they get paid too, right? Kyle's not the only big guy that's getting paid big money to be able to come through. And unfortunately for him, he's been on the wrong end of things. I am not – I have a whole – I don't know how many episodes talking about Kyle Shanahan. I'm not one that's going to kiss his ass or say that he's this perfect guy or anything like that. I'm just saying from a non-objective perspective, looking at it, I understand that, and I get it, Kyle only lost once as a head coach. The other one, he's a play caller, though. He's calling the plays. We, I think we look, at, we look at these situations and act like this team is just that much better. When you get to the Super Bowl, it's good on good. It's good versus good. And at, at any moment, the good from this side can be better than the good from this side. We can talk about all that stuff with the 49ers and stuff like that. Hell, third and 15, they run that damn wasp play. They don't get that. The game is over. The game is over. And we're not talking about uh, time management. We're not talking about uh, play. Call. We're not talking about none of that if we get off the field on, th on, th on third and 15. One you know more thing, too. And how did they get the third and 15? Good. The, Patrick Mahomes and Tariq Hill were better than the 49ers on that play. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's not as it's not as easy as just saying the clock management was bad. You have these people on the other side that are elite at what they do as well. One more thing, too. This sounds like a head coach who has had this same label and had that stigma broken in that Super Bowl, and he actually coaches the Kansas City Chiefs. How long right. have people said the same exact thing about Andy Reid? Can't win the big one. Play calling, time management, 
You know how quickly that changes when you have somebody who's elite that can also execute your vision as well, too? I know 49er fans don't want to hear that because of how long it took Andy Reid to win. But wasn't that the stigma about Andy Reid the entire time when he was with Philly? Like, he went to five straight NFC championships. It happens, man. And and that's just the, that's just what makes the game beautiful. So I, I know you don't want to hear that because it took him so long to break through. But that's what they used to say about Andy Reid. They ain't saying that about him now. <laughs> I mean, obviously, after you win the Super Bowl, all that goes away. So, someone says, uh, "Stop talking about the TikTok Chiefs." I think that's a shout <laughs> out Jackson, Jackson Mahomes. I think we're all tired of Jackson Mahomes. I think that's a good uh, Wait, <laughs> time right now to, to to end on this. I appreciate everybody's in the chat. We didn't get to the callers today. We'll see if we can get to some Sunday morning before the game. Get y'all thoughts on how y'all feel on the 49ers against the Seahawks. Again, I appreciate everybody's in here. Make sure you guys hit the like button. Over two hundred in you here. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Appreciate everybody that's contributed to under. Oh, I have you over here. So underdog fantasy, it's over there, up there in the yeah, corner. I never get underdog it fantasy promo code Crocky. All right, Manscape Manscape.com promo code Crocky. All right, go get right with all that good stuff. I appreciate everybody that's in the chat. You guys really are the highlight of my morning. I think this was awesome. Uh, can't wait to Sunday. Make sure you guys tune in to the Locked On 49ers show with myself, Brian Peacock. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel, the Locked On 49ers YouTube channel. It's up over a 1,000 subscribers in one week. You guys are awesome. We appreciate all the support. Aponte, any last words, anything that you want to put out there? Yeah, just uh, follow me on Twitter at JasonAponte2103 and a new sprint ride option tonight on my YouTube channel, um, Jason Aponte. Um, and again, thank you guys for pushing me over 4,000 subs, man. I appreciate you, Croc, and I appreciate the people who uh, who just started tapping in. There's going to be uh, a lot of content coming out this week. So Saturday, uh, probably not going to have anything, but Sunday, start sits uh, questions so you can come and tap in on that. And then uh, I'll be right on after the game um, to talk about what happened in the game for instant reaction. So appreciate everybody who showed love and and subscribe to the channel and appreciate you crack for for uh, helping me out with that all good all good all right y'all man i appreciate y'all i'll check in with you guys maybe sunday but for sure monday you know what time it is 6 30 a.m pacific time 9 30 a.m eastern time but until next time man we're out peace intercepted it is picked off by aaron crocker over midfield he'll run it all the way Wait a minute. We didn't give any pre like a, a score prediction. You want to? You go first. You go first. I'm taking, I'm taking 49ers by four, 27-23. I got the 49ers 24-21. And uh it's it's gonna be a dog fight, man. Um I'm just my heart's racing now thinking about it. <laughs> All right, there we go. So we gave our score prediction. Remember, you guys can listen to the live. Uh, uh, you guys can listen to the audio version of this on Spotify, Apple Pods, whatever you listen to, you know, your podcast on. You guys can catch the full version of this. Again, Aponte, I appreciate you. All right, we're out for real this time, guys. We're out for real this time. Right. Underdog Fantasy, promo code Crocky. Go do that right now. Peace. Intercepted. It is picked off by Aaron Crocker. Over midfield, he'll run it all the way into the end zone. Crop Talk TV Podcast. Podcast.